Good morning. It's great to see all of you today. Really is great to see all of you. I mean, I really mean that. I'm not a, I'm not a really, a, you know, jovial guy, not a really, you know, pleasant guy all the time. And I'm, I'm not a church faker either. I, you know, if I don't like you, I'll let you know. And if I'm not happy, I'll let you know. And if I'm hurting, I'll let you know. But I can tell you this, I have discovered the goodness of God and it is absolutely amazing. So, it's great to see every single one of you, and God can do great works in all of our lives. We just came out of seven days of prayer, where I saw prayer requests that made me cry. I saw prayer requests, I'm like, oh, he's a goner, he's never gonna make it, he's gonna die, good luck with that, that marriage is never gonna make it, you know, and I'd see all these prayer requests in the natural, but God began to give each and every one of us a perspective of what heaven thinks about you, what heaven thinks about your marriage, what heaven thinks can happen inside of your body, inside of your life. And all of a sudden it's like expanding. You know, God taught me something over the seven days of prayer that the goodness of God is not a depreciating value. You know, we kind of think God's good. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it's kind of like on an index, like if you play in the stock market, it's kind of like on an index. It goes up and down. He's good sometimes, not so good sometimes. God's, God's goodness is not on a, a, some sort of floating index, but rather it's our life experiences and our perspectives that change the idea of the goodness of God. And so when God all of a sudden lets you step back and see the goodness of God apart from your experience, apart from covid apart from uh, political stuff, apart from all the things that can go wrong in, in one's life, all of a sudden you're like, wow, I've been invited to experience the goodness of God in my life. And so we just want to encourage you to just soak that in today. You may be here today and you don't have a plan for your life. I'm here to tell you God's got that plan and his goodness never ends and it's new every single morning into your life. You know, we've been praying for Afghanistan, the people of Afghanistan, and, and we ask that you continue to pray for them and the situation that's gone over there. And um, there are times when we pray, and what I learned this week was that God, we pray to God not only to get an answer from God, but also to get an action from God. That sometimes, you know, I look at Afghanistan and, and I'm like, oh, let's pray for Afghanistan. And in my mind, let's bomb Afghanistan. Okay, and I'm not saying that's God, okay? That, that really might, that may not be the solution, but it, that's my thing. So when we pray, we're not only asking God to give us an answer to prayer, but also to give us action in the prayer. So let me encourage you. This is a time where we need to help the refugees that are coming out of Afghanistan. We have three organizations that we invite you to give to, and at any time you can ask us the question, what are you doing with the money? Remember International Compassion and World Vision. You know, if we want to help the people of Afghanistan and all the people that are fleeing, the way that we can help them right now is to help provide them refuge, a place to go, all the supplies that they need for, your, for their life. So continue to pray for an answer for them, but also for an action for you. Likewise, on, on, when it comes to COVID, you may not believe in the vaccine and you may not believe in wearing a mask. You say, well, the, there's nothing for me to do. If you don't believe in those two things, there is something you can do because you must be believing in a miracle and that's how COVID's gonna go away. So we encourage you to pray and to be a prayer warrior. We encourage you to help our medical system and bring gifts to the nurses and the doctors and, and the administrative workers that are working in our hospital system trying to save lives. 
There's something, an action that all of us can be a part of. Whether we agree on it or not, we can be a part of the solution. So let me encourage you. As we come out of a prayer, a, a week of prayer looking for answers, that God not only gives answers, but he gives actions. And, and, and ask God, what is your action on these most critical issues that are facing our world today? So today is our final message on living in the doom. I, I can't believe this is the same series where I, I talked about Legos. Is it the same one? Is this the Lego series? So it's been going on. You know, I think I'm going to talk about something for three or four weeks, and then 12 weeks later, uh, you know, one of the people in the staff will say, you know, I think it's time for us to, like, move on from this. But we've had an incredible opportunity to learn about the blessings of God in our lives, about the refreshing, because we've all been hassled for two years, whether personally or corporately as a society, we've been hassled. And so God really just wants to give us his blessings. He wants to refresh our souls. So today we're going to look at the last blessing that we're going to talk about, not the last one you'll ever get, but on, that comes from choosing the designs of God over other options. We said that blessings are not magical. They're not bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. They're not gold dust. They're not just random acts of kindness that God gives to human beings, but rather most of them come through a very well-designed and thought-out system that if we do this, this happens. If we don't do this, well, this happens. And, and that God invites us to walk in his design and to experience blessings that come with that design. So today we're going to be looking at the blessing that actually comes in making this choice. Because all of us are being offered different ways to fulfill our lives. I mean, the offers are, they're out there. Um, and to be honest with you, some of them do provide momentary relief. I'm just as drawn to them as you are. But too often they don't really, you know, give us what we really need in our life. For instance, sucking down on some Chardonnay at 11 a.m. may distract you for a couple hours. But the solution is an empty bottle. I mean, that's all it is. It just doesn't really resolve anything. I, you know, I, I like Chardonnay as much as the next guy, and I'll drink it out of a box if it comes out of a box. But the, I've discovered that there is no solution in that box or in that bottle. It's so funny. So many of you are smiling because you really drink wine out of a box? I just made that up. No, I'm going to get it. But no, you know what I'm talking about. Some of us have kind of gotten into this. Maybe we've gone over here, and, and maybe instead of doing 5 o'clock, maybe I can start at 11 o'clock. For some of us, walking out of a difficult marriage may prove some rest, but soon we discovered that half of the problems followed us right into our next relationship. For some of us, pers um, uh, perusing some porn may light a fire in the cellar, but we soon discover that it will burn the whole house down. There are so many ways that we're being offered to experience delight, satisfaction, fulfillment in our lives. And they're real. And they're offered to every single one of us. Each of us has to decide on what terms will we experience fulfillment. And it's difficult. I, I mean, I personally know. Some of the options are right in front of us, screaming right in front of us. Some of this just inviting us to make a choice to feel good right now. That, that, that choice could be a person. That choice could be a movie. That choice could be a career decision in our lives. And it can be just like right in front of us. Or even worse, some of those options are screaming in us. 
they're part of our psyche. They're part of our, our meat, the muscle of who we are as human beings. And, and I just want to let you know, you're in a great church today because nobody here is immune to any of this. There's no like super sanctified people that, uh, you know, I don't struggle with anything. So just relax. The people around you, and another thing about this church that I love is everybody's honest about it here. We're not trying to fake anybody out. There's no, you know, weird looks that we're going to give you if you all of a sudden say that you're struggling with something. I love what Proverbs 21, 12, uh, 21.2 says. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. I mean, that's just the way it is. We all think we're right. We all think we got the best solution. You know, in a few minutes, or not in a few minutes, in a couple hours, I'm going to be drafting my fantasy football league with this, a lot of other people in the church. And we're going to sit down and we're going to look at all the different 350 players in the NFL and, and like a bunch of geeks, we're all going to pick out our football team. And each one of us is going to snicker when we pick our player because we're going to think we're so much smarter than everybody else. Everybody else, I mean, when it's all over and we've got our 14 picks in and we're packing up and going, we're all going to be proud of our picks and think our team is going to smear everybody else. See, all of us think we have a solution on how life should work. What's the best way to fulfill our lives? And the scripture says, don't, don't worry about it. Everybody's got this. Everybody's got this same proclivity. We all have a, a lean that can't be trusted. Another proverb says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I, I got to lean. I got to lean. There's some things I just lean into. Uh, I, I lean into arguing. I lean into um, being persnickety. Um, you're like, ooh, persnickety. Uh, I lean in, I, I don't know. I, there's, there's some things I just lean into. Oh, I lean into addictions. Don't raise your hand if you're there with me, but I have an addictive personality. I mean, I just love a good addiction. I mean, I just, I, I'm just drawn to, I've been drawn to chemicals all my life, uh, I, alcohol, whatever it is. I mean, it's just, but I have a lean, but you have a lean also. There are some things that you lean into that you have a proclivity towards. How do you react to situations? But what we need to realize is that our leans our desires, our way of fulfilling things. They just can't be trusted. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. So we're all in this together. We're all like, I want fulfillment, I want joy, I want happiness, I, I want to feel good, and here's how I lean in to get it, and, and God is like, listen, okay, I know you want this, I know every one of you have these desires, but don't trust them, don't lean into it, rather trust in the Lord. God knows we have the struggle, and instead of condemning us for it, he blesses us for going through it. So I was raised in a denomination where if you, we were kind of like trying to get not just sin out of us, we were trying to get human nature out of us, as if human nature um, was evil. You know, it, it was kind of like everything about being human is evil. Any pleasure is evil. Any feel good is evil. And it's like, that's not the case at all. 
I mean, God created us, and if I remember, it says it is good when he created us. So instead of judging us or condemning us for our human experience, God says, listen, I know what you're going through, and I know that you gotta make decisions in your life, and I'm gonna bless you in the middle of it. The apostles felt the exact same thing that you and I felt. So James wrote about this struggle. Uh, in James 1.12, he, he starts off by saying this, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, he knows that there are other offers on the table for you right now. He knows what you're being offered. God knows that there are other solicitors presenting their case to you. Okay, he knows what's going on inside of your head. He knows what's going on inside of your body. He knows what's going on inside of your marriage. And he knows that you're being offered different concepts, different ideas, immediate solutions to things that are difficult in your life. And he knows that every one of them is not just coming before you, it's presenting its case in front of you. And God blesses us when we walk through this, this trial. See, this entire verse is about the powers of acquisition in your life. That's where the trial occurs. Okay, it's, it's not a trial of like, uh, you know, you're out in the desert and you ran out of water and your mule just died and, and you just got to figure out how to get back to land. It's more like a, a trial of, of right and wrong. It's, it's more like you're brought before the court type of trial. And what we're seeing is that there is a trial there is a difficulty. There are cases being presented about the power of acquisition in our lives. How am I going to acquire things, sex, joy, goodness, blessedness? How am I going to acquire? And every one of us are, are in this sense of trial over the power of acquisition. How will we choose what fulfills us? So, it's a trial deciding where you're going to get your blessings from. And every one of us are there. It's the trial of either self-satisfaction, getting it from your leaning, or deciding that we're going we're to go to God for our satisfaction. And it's not a trial that God puts us on. It's a trial of choice we make daily. It's like you say, well, that's so sinister. What kind of loving good God would put us on trial every day? It's like, no, 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 no. God is not putting us on trial. This is the trial that comes because we are human beings. Dogs don't go through this trial, okay? They're operating from instinct. They don't have to make choices. They just do a little bit of... <laughs> And then they run around and the choice has been made by their nose or their instincts, what's built into their brains. And then they, they go off hounding after it. This trial is only presented to us because we all have what we all want, civil liberties. We have the ability to pro-choose. And that, that choice, that ability to choose puts us on trial within ourselves. It's not God that's being vindictive and, 
And, you know, it's not like Santa going through the list to see who's naughty or nice. Scripture says it this way. James continues and said, Let no man say that when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So let's just take God off the table. It's like, whoa, we're at church, aren't we? I mean, how do we take him off? No, I just want to let you know, this is just built into you. This trial is the, is the trial of choice. God's not trying to trip you up. God is, is not tempting people to do things that are wrong. But rather, with that beautiful endowment of choice, we have to decide how are we going to be fulfilled in life. Like with Afghanistan. You know, how are we going to help that situation? We're going to have to get into that trial of choice on how we're going to respond. In COVID, it has required us to, to enter into a trial of choice. Am I going to wear a mask or am I not? Am I going to get the vaccine or am I not? You know, it, it comes with this endowment of, of the liberties that we so preciously desire. So James tells us about two fundamental choices of fulfillment. So we're just going to break this down and we, you know, we understand there's a difference in society and how you were raised and how your dad treated you and, and all those different things but, and economics. But it really kind of just breaks down into two basic uh, solicitors you know, that, that come before the, the court of your decision making that kind of present themselves on how you make decisions. The first one is this, and James continues and says this. Each one of us is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. See, it's following our own lust is the first choice that we're presented with in this trial. And, and I love it. Because the word that I like so much, is, if we throw that verse back up there again, is the word own. You know, each one of us, own. Because they're ours. You know, this isn't, and again, I just took God out of the equation, so I'm going to now take the devil out of the equation. Okay? And, then, and it's like, wow, again, you're coming to a church, and you're, I just took God and the devil off the table. Yeah, because I want you to realize um, Who's making the decisions about whether or not you live a blessed life or not? It's not like God's up there hating this one group and like some malignant theology that God blesses this one group because he chose them before all the world that they're going to go to heaven. And then regardless of their other choices, these poor suckers are over here are going to get sent to hell regardless of what they choose. I mean, it's not like that at all. This is all going on inside the internal workings. But we own, we all have our own lust. Do you know what yours is? You can say, well, I don't have any. Oh, I don't believe that for a second. Okay. If you don't have a lust going on in your life, and I'll describe what that means in a second, you're dead. Uh, and I, I almost would feel sorry for you if you, if you don't. I remember when I was a young Christian, I always asked God because I, you know, dealt, I slept around a lot as a young person and got into porn and all that stuff. And so I kept on asking God, please take these feelings away from me. And he's like, you might want to be a little bit more detailed in your prayer. Do you really want me to take these feelings from you? So it's like, no, I, I, I really want to use them the right way. But we all have them. 
Um, they're my own lusts. I own them. And I don't think that's important that we use the word own again. Is that we possess our own dysfunctions. Uh, no matter whatever crime society has committed upon itself and upon each other, and there are numerous crimes that we've committed against each other, we got to remember when it comes down to it, you own what you own. And when what James is saying is, listen, we all own some of our own dysfunctions and we've got to make choices on how we're going to respond to them. You own this. This is not someone else. This is, this is like, um, I, I love it. He says, by our own lust. I, when I was a young Christian, what we tried to do was make all the women stop wearing two-piece bathing suits. Why? It's because you were making all the young men lust. Okay, have you ever heard that before? I mean, but that was it. I thought it was so funny when we had the baptism thing going on up here and that uh, I saw all the youth getting baptized and there were so many of the girls were in bikinis and, and I was like, wow, church is real changed because, you know, they wouldn't have baptized a girl in a bikini, you know, 25 years ago. Because why? Well, because... Well, and I'm not saying all bikinis get to go by the, you know, I mean, there are there's some good choices that need to be made there. But I think we needed to be in a society where we stop blaming somebody else for my leanings. You know, it was like, okay, well, I, I cheated on my wife because this girl flirted me at work and she's so hot and she's nice to me when my wife's not nice to me. It's like, well, how many of you ladies here say, well, that's a really good reason to cheat on your husband, I'm your wife. You know, he's right. He has every right to do that um, because he doesn't own that. She owned it and she induced him into it. I love James. He's like, no, you own this. There may be, you know, somebody may, may be shaking your Coke bottle, but you know what? Whatever's on the inside of the bottle, that's what comes fizzing out. You know, you own that. So this is not God. This is not the devil. I, I think... It works this way. We all get caught by bait we put on our own hook. It's not that somebody else is pulling the wool over my eyes when I sin. I pull the wool over my own eyes. I bait the hook that I use against myself. You know, I really do. I, I set myself up for my own failures. Each one of us is brought into this personal trial when we are carried away and enticed by our own lust. So what is lust? Um, and, I, and I'm trying to break this down as technically and scientifically and psychologically as possible because sometimes pastors will just say the word lust and you're like, what does that mean? Or, or the word flesh, you know, don't follow your flesh. Well, I'm all, I mean, it's all flesh, isn't it? I mean, what do you mean by flesh? The desires of your flesh. You mean like being hangry? You know, I'm like, like wanting to eat something? You're telling me that's sin? You know, so let me get real specific about it. A lust is a desire or a learning for something inordinately. A longing outside the God-defined ordinance for fulfillment or let me break it down even more. Deviations from the ordained plan for life, experience, and fulfillment. All right? Deviations from the ordained plan for life, experience, and fulfillment. See, you can get fulfillment a lot of different ways. It's not that the longing is wrong, and it's, it doesn't mean that the something is wrong, 
It is the choice of fulfillment beyond the boundaries that God has set for healthy fulfillment. God, I mean, we all got desires and longings, but when it becomes a lust is when we decide that we're going to deviate from the way that God said, this is a healthy path to fulfillment for that desire in your life. Um, and it happens with everything. It happens, oh, it happens with food. Okay, so I got COVID, like a lot of you, and I, and I, I was vaccinated, and I still got it bad. And I really wasn't really impressed with how I responded physically to it because I do have high blood pressure and it's been getting higher over the last five years. And, uh, and my cholesterol, got a cholesterol report and it was like off the chart. My body doesn't produce good cholesterols. Uh, and you know, you're supposed to have like 60 to 120 in the good cholesterol number. My body produces five. And so that means when I got all this bad cholesterol, I don't have, you know, my good cholesterol buddies jumping in and say, hey, I got this, boss. And, you know, and, and take care and lower my overall cholesterol. It's just like bad. So that's just lining on the inside. So I decided, you know, I have got to lose weight. So I went on this diet. And um, I am telling you what, I did not know that I was addicted to food. I mean, just absolutely, I did not know that I was using addic uh, food to handle my depression. I really did. Uh, when, because of my back injury or things that were going on in people's lives that I couldn't change. You know, I, I'm just, just, I would just eat to uh, not feel depressed. I found out that I eat way too much. And if you've invited me over your house and we had dinner at your house, and then after you served that wonderful dinner, maybe 15 minutes later, you found me rummaging around your refrigerator looking for more food. I am so sorry, okay? I, I mean, I, you find out really fast uh, what has gone inordinate in your life. That's why the Bible, side note, talks about fasting, being a good habit, because it helps you figure out what, are, what, are, what is your leaning and we all have leaning. So maybe for you, leaning is food. That, yeah, God wants you to have food, but you've taken it outside of the ordinances, the healthy way of fulfilling it. How about pleasure? We all like pleasure. But maybe, maybe that 11 o'clock Chardonnay is not exactly the best way for you to be feeling a, a sense of pleasure in your life. Maybe some of us have, have gone into realms of fulfilling the pleasure quotient, but it's really not the way that God had designed it to be? How about sex? I don't even need to talk much about that. I mean, it's like we as America, we've gone into all avenues of, I mean, basically whatever it takes. I mean, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual or transgender. Or, I mean, I, I am not going to label the transgenders or the homosexuals as the, the, the only people that are kind of taking a different path. A lot of us heterosexuals have taken a lot of different paths too. I mean, it's, it's not even in the way that God intended it to be or especially not even in the context or maybe not even in the relationship scheme or, or even within the marriage relationship scheme that it's still kind of like sex has gone a little, a little weird in our heads. Maybe it's what we do in order to experience fulfillment in our lives. How about success? Some of us have a leaning that whatever it takes to succeed, hey, how many times have I seen in a John Wick movie 
where this really bad guy will say to John Wick, he said, it's nothing personal, it's just business. Well, maybe a lot of us have that mentality. Is that, hey, business is business and personal is personal. Is that whatever you gotta do to get ahead, you just gotta be willing to do it. It's like, oh, okay. That will work, but will it bless? That's the different thing. Will it get the partnership of God in your life? It's easy for us to get carried away and seduced through unhealthy preoccupations. And every single one of us here deal with it daily. And then we give birth to this internal process to our own demise through it. Listen to the language. James, is, so he's talking about, we're invited to, the, we're part of this trial of having to choose. And he's saying, we start off with this, this leaning, this lust, this, this desire to fulfill it now our way. And he says it works like this. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Anybody see the devil mentioned in there? Anybody see God being mentioned in there? Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. This is like a biological description of, of birth of spiritual death and loss. It's kind of like you know, we all have our leanings, we all have our cravings, and some of them have gotten out of control. So then we, we allow lust to do its thing. We start conceiving a plan. You know, just like how birth occurs. There is, we start, um, I mean, we start bringing in an, an entity, an idea, a concept into the womb of thought that has the ability to make things happen, to make things all of a sudden germinate, things to all of a sudden you know, ovulate, and, and then all of a sudden things begin to grow, and then all of a sudden the womb has something in it. And then it says that when, when, when sin is, is born in our guts, then it says, and then when sin is lived out, it, it, it comes into the physical world, and it becomes this thing called death. And that's why Jesus warned the people of his time and he said, uh, you know, about divorce and all or cheating. He said, no, a man who looks upon a woman commits adultery with her in, her in his heart. He's like, no, you need to back this up. It's not just the, the guy who gets caught cheating on his wife at work. He's like, no, I want you to, you need to know that this all happens in your, your powers of acquisition. You first acquire that woman in the image of your head. Before, if you ever touch her or not, Jesus is saying, you've already engaged the powers of acquisition in your mind. And he's like, that's where you gotta knock it down. And just know this, St. Francis of Assisi said, you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. And it's, we all have desires. He's not saying that we all don't, you know, have longings and desires towards fulfillment. He's not, saying, he's not saying that's the problem. He's like, no, no, no. It's like, it's like, but when you start taking them out of the ordinances and you start bringing them into the realm of conceptualization, when you bring them into the actual realm and you allow that thing to grow and then it will give birth to something in your life and that thing will be death in your life the death of your marriage, the death of discipline, the death of a well-organized life, the death of success in your life. It gives birth, comes forward. 
There's another choice that we have. So remember, one solicitor is presenting his case in, inside of you, and, and that's you. Um, you're, you have the ability to bait your own hook, and you're the fish. The other choice that we're presented with, James continues and says in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift. Ah, okay, now we're, okay, now we're not just talking about fulfillment, are we? Because I know you're like me. You've had five minutes of fulfillment and then you had what? About three hours of grief, right? Regret, shame, promises that you'll never do that again. So we all know that fulfillment doesn't all of a sudden become, oh, it worked. It, it's ethically okay. It's totally satisfying to my life. No, we, we call it a hangover. We, we, walk up, we wake up with a hangover and realize, wow, that did not go the way or finish out the way that I thought it would. But now we're being presented a different option to choose. And James starts off, well, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift. In the actual Greek language, I love this word, it's the word endowment. That from God, you can get a gift of endowment. And that is the right to flourish. I mean, it's one thing to be told, you know, that uh, I'm going to just say, because I'm going to trust God, and you guys sort out whether or not I miss God. It's, it's one thing for everybody to be told that we're equal. But do we all have equal opportunity to flourish? Okay? Because that's what endowment is. Endowment is the ability that God says, listen, but for me, I will endow you with a really good gift. And this gift is the right to flourish. What a beautiful gift. That's not what I get from my Chardonnay. That's not what I get from my porn. That's not what I, what I get in some of my leanings, the right to flourish. No, what I get from those things is the right to feel guilty, the right to feel ashamed, the right to keep my head down. Every good, but then he says, every perfect gift. Um, I, I, this is such an idea that, that we will choose something that will satisfy in the moment that does not perfectly fit my life. And I'm just being honest with a crowd that you know who I am. You know, I, I woke up next to uh, a woman, you know, in the morning and at four o'clock a.m. And, and she looked amazing at 11 o'clock when I had, you know, three shots of JD in me and, and the music was and four o'clock, you're looking for your jeans and you're like, this is not what I really was choosing for my life. But every gift that comes down from God is good and perfect. It's, it's a gift that's better than what you would have chosen for yourself. It's like, wow, I want that solicitor pleading his case in my life. Now, sometimes I understand you're going to say to yourself, yeah, but I can have somebody with me now. I'm alone now. Or I can have sex now, this way with this person. Or I can feel good now, but we just need to know the choices that we're making. I am telling you that all those things may work on the fulfillment quotient. You know, um, all those things do work. The question is, is do we want 
the fulfillment of God in our lives. That's the real big choice we're making here. God's way has no shadow in it. God's way, the father of lights, brings illumination on what, eh, that's not a really good choice, or that's not really good for you. But we have to choose something. So why bother with all of this? Why not just go with what makes you feel good? And that's an honest question. And that too is the next verse that comes to us from James. In verse 18, he tells us why we should do this. And I will tell you this, it's interesting to notice that there is no mention of hell or heaven. You say, well, okay, he took out God, he took out the devil, he took out hell, and he took out heaven. Why? It's because, I just want to let you know, there's a, this whole God story thing's got more on the line than whether or not you go to heaven or hell, or whether or not you defeat the devil, okay? A lot of this is in your power, and that God has empowered you. Um, so listen to what it says. In the exercise of God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits, top shelf, the best among his creations. You see, of all the creatures in the universe, we humans were brought forth by the word of truth to be different. We were created to radiate life. We were created to be an object of his delight. We were created to be bestowed with the power of flourishing in us. But each time we follow our leaning, we become more like the rest of the animal kingdom, the rest of the, the mammals. I remember there was a point when there was an argument in the Christian church and philosophy of whether or not humans were mammals. Because if you go into your dictionary that may be maybe 20 years old, if you can find an old dictionary, if you pick out mammals, mammal, humans were not a part of the considered mammals. Because the definition of a uh, mammal is in the dictionary, any animal that, boom, boom, boom. Well, we're not animals. So humans could not be a part of that collective. We were separate. We were never mammals. And then there was a move to kind of like biologically, it's like, oh, no, no, wait a minute, we're mammals. So, you know, we argued back and forth on this, but I realized that we do have the potential to be just mammals, okay? When you look at the evil that some of the Taliban wants to do against women and children, you know when I look there, I look at a group of people, and unlike the America that I live in, okay, that, uh, wow, seems like they're acting more like animals than humans. It's like, how did that happen? Is, is their genetic wrong? Are they, I mean, they have more Neanderthal in them than the rest of us have, you know, uh, Homo sapien in them? No, absolutely not. They've decided that they are going to run their life based upon their own personal leanings and they will fill, fulfill their lives based upon their leanings. It's like, is it because the Taliban or the Arab people are a lesser species? Hitler would have said that. But that's not what the gospel would have said. It's not what James would have said. He said, all I see is a group of people who are in between two solicitors making a choice. This is how we're going to fulfill ourselves. And all I see is that we are in America and we are now being presented with ourselves at how are we going to fulfill ourselves? Whatever way you want. It's like, so before we go bombing the Taliban back into the Stone Age, which was my initial reaction, 
who would have to drop bombs on us as we abandon the design of how God wanted us to fulfill our own lives. See, we follow our own instincts and become little more than bipedal mammals with good table manners. That's all, we, we de-evolve into these, to just mammals when we do it our own leaning. No longer the first fruits among God's creation. Well-fed, oh yes. You can be a mammal and be well-fed. Overly preoccupied with sex, oh yeah. Yeah, you can do that and be well-sexed. Um, uh, Please well ourselves, yes, only through self-deception, but yeah, we can do that, too. we can pull that off too and that will feel good. Blessed, absolutely not. Have the crown of life, absolutely not. Have the partnership of God, absolutely not. Be the first fruit of all of his creation, absolutely not. Can't have both. We were brought forth by truth to live in truth. We were brought uh, brought forth to be the first of his creations. Not looking to see how the apes behave and then justifying our bad behavior by somebody down the evolutionary model. It's crazy. Whenever we come up with a a new liberty in America, we justify it biologically by looking at a species below us. Well, you know, the, the, the llamas do this, so why is it bad for us to do it? It's like, well, if we were just gonna be mammals, I agree with you. But if we're gonna be something distinct, the first fruit of God's creation, then we've gotta make God choices. Or whatever judgment we bring upon the, the Taliban, we need to realize we may not be making them in such a broad view, but we may be making them in our little choices. How we deal with our coworkers, how we deal with our ex-spouses, or the reason why we have ex-spouses. How we deal with our parenting, what we do with our money, how we get ahead. None of us is exempt from this trial because we have choice. You may, I know some of you were here waiting for the answer to this question. Are the animals judged by God? Can an animal go to hell? I know you've been, you've been really concerned about that. Well, I've studied the scriptures through and through, and uh, no, they cannot. Why? Because they're not in a trial. Why? Because they can't make a choice. But with this power of choice comes the potential of blessing. None of us gets away with this. All of us make our choices. And it all goes on inside of us. Yeah, God influences us. And the devil influences us. The world influences us. The girl in that bikini influences us. That really hot dude with the ripped abs, he influences us. But let's be honest, we own it. They may shake the bottle, but what comes out, that's all us. And none of us has done this perfectly. You may not even be doing it good right now. You may be sitting next to somebody that was a Friday night, three shots of vodka, that's how you met. And they didn't go home at four o'clock in the morning, okay? And I know you're thinking, you know, oh, oh, that's so sweet. I just had one daughter turn around and look at her parents asking, is that how I came about, okay? (laughs) That is so sweet. No, your mom's never been a vodka girl. (laughs) Hey, uh, but 
So what if you screwed it up? What if you made bad choices? What if your bad choice is sitting next to you right now? What if you're like me and you have fought every day since? I was leaning into me, leaning into whoever. I was leaning into every pleasure in the 70s. And I tell you, I didn't get away free. I still bear the addictions. I still bear the proclivity. I still bear the, the leaning towards these things. So, so what, what happens if you're like me and you've been divorced and you've been remarried and you've struggled with addictions or whether or not you're messing up? God doesn't leave you there. Lamentations 3.22 says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. God, great is your faithfulness. So I don't care what trap you're in right now. I don't care how many times you've messed up. I don't care how bad your leaning is. I don't care. I don't, you know, we, we judge people based upon leanings and it's like, well, you know, well, Pastor Paul, you used to lean into porn, but uh, homosexuality is a sin of perversion. Oh, give me a friggin' break. A leaning is a leaning. It's either leaning into God or it's leaning away from God. And so let's stop judging each other by our leanings. Let's just be honest about our leanings. And the first thing God wants you to know is not know thyself, but know that he is faithful and that his mercies are new every morning. You know, um, I'm gonna do something that's a little different than I normally do. And it's Ricky continues to play. Maybe at this point, we need to decide if Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. That you've been here in the perspective of blessings and leanings and I've talked about Legos, I've talked about, I've talked about everything in this series about blessings. But let's just bring it down to this one thing. And it doesn't matter how much money you make or your gender or the color of your skin. Have you decided that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord of your life? Instead of individualizing, it's like, well, what's my stand on abortion? What's my stand on sex? What's my stand on, you know, Democrat, Republican? What's my stand on, you know, uh, property ownership? What's my stand on critical race theory? What's my, and then having all these individual little things, ding, 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 ding. It's like, no, 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 forget about that. Let's just forget about this. We need to decide, is Jesus Christ Lord and the sovereign of our lives? Is he our first choice? Because if that's not it, then I don't give a flip who you're having sex with. I don't care where you spend your money. I don't care what you're doing, how much you drink. I mean, really, that's, it really comes down to sovereigns in your life, the power of acquisition. Is God your hope, your trust? Is he your ordinance? Is he your plan? Is he the one that, that provides how to put the Legos together in order to have a fulfilled life? So if I could ask you just to do, I'm not gonna go crazy Baptist on you here, but, if, but if, I, if I could just get you to close your eyes, and I mean every eye closed, 
And I pray that if you have an eye open, that they will melt out of your head like that scene in Indiana Jones when they see the Ark of the Covenant opened and those Nazis get melted. I'm not even going to open my eyes because it doesn't matter if I see you. You're not going to then be asked to walk an aisle or fill out a document. You're not going to, none of that. This is just going to be a moment between you and God and nobody's watching. If you have never made Jesus Christ sovereign Lord of your life and, and it's kind of like that you're going to choose him and then he's going to teach you all the other tertiary choices of life. Can I dare you just to raise your hand and today say, okay, yeah, I, I want to be better than just a bipedal mammal with good eating habits. I want to stop cleaning up the messes after one night of a lot of fun. I want to be able to put away the mop and start building a real life that lasts and endures. That doesn't just fulfill me, but rather it blesses me and the people around me. Can I encourage you just to raise your hand and then put it right down. And maybe you're here today and, and you've been doing church a lot and, and all of a sudden you're kind of like, whoa, he mentioned Jesus Christ, sovereign Lord of my life. I forgot all about that. I just thought it was about voting, voting a certain way or having sex a certain way or you know, doing something with my money or can I encourage you just to once again dedicate your life to Jesus Christ and redeclare that I will no longer follow the leanings of my heart and I will no longer trust them. I will not follow my heart. I will not do what is right in my own eyes, but I will do what the Lord, the sovereign Lord who created me to be the first fruit of all creation has called me to do. Can I encourage you to raise your hand? to put it down okay with we thank you father now we can open our eyes again and I want to invite you to the table of Christ because this is our first place of fulfillment the body and blood of Jesus not because it felt good not because it made Jesus happy not because it brought Jesus pleasure but he knew the hard choice of the cross was God's good and God's perfect gift to each and every one of us. And he wants to invite all of us to it. His mercies are new every single morning. God wants to invite you to his table. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this time. We thank you so much that you have pulled the wool back from over our eyes and to see that we cannot blame a people group, we cannot blame a political party, we cannot blame a gender, we cannot blame you made us this way. We can't blame because I was raised by a certain kind of parent that today we own what we own, it's ours but you don't leave us there. Through your Holy Spirit, through your power, you help us to make the right choice. Then you help us, Father of lights, to bring every powerful endowment to flourish. Today, we choose you all over again.